Good morning. So good to be with you guys. I actually grew up not far from here. I grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, my parents immigrated here in 1993. I was 15 years old. I'm from the West Coast of Africa. So English is not my first language. So if I say some things you don't understand, just bear with me. Uh, I'm still learning English after all these years. But eight years ago, my wife and I felt called to move to New Bedford. And that's where we planted New Life South Coast, and, and God's been doing some, some really cool things there. And, and now we're just getting ready to launch another campus in Brockton, Massachusetts. We really feel called to the South Coast region, and so uh, it's a blessing to be able to come back home, in a sense, uh, right next to Pawtucket to be with you guys. And it's a joy to be with, with your brother, uh, Andrew, and, uh, and everything that God's doing here. And I love this theme of hunger. You know, I really want to spend a few minutes just hopefully set the table a little bit for where God wants to take us this, mor this morning. And if you have your, your Bible, I want to jump right into a passage that is God dealing with hunger in the life of a man named Elijah. And I want to jump right in, in the middle of the, their conversation about hunger, right? And then we're going to hopefully pull some things here that can, that can help us this morning. But I'm in 1 King chapter 19, right? But I'm going to jump again right in the middle of this conversation that God is having with a man named Elijah, right? And I'm jumping right in the middle of it in verse 10, right? Elijah is looking to meet with God, and God says, come meet me here at this mountain, right? And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I, am, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken the covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. Thank you, sir. The wind was so strong, it took the mic away. So after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? That is the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? So we're jumping in the middle of a moment of hunger. And what's interesting is, you know the story, right? Elijah's coming out of a great victory. The previous chapter, right? He has this showdown with these prophets, right? These false prophets of Baal. And he's able to overcome, like defeat these prophets. Like amazing, crazy, like biblical story, right? Where he says to them, like, hey, let's see who the real God is, right? We're going to have this showdown and we're going to call out on our gods, right? Elijah is so confident that he actually begins to mock them. He begins to talk trash, basically. He says to them, like, you might want to go louder because your God can't hear you. Maybe he's in the bathroom. I love that. That's like some trash talk from a prophet. He's like, man, just, just be louder because your God can't hear you. 
And after they do their thing, they cut it themselves, they're trying everything, nothing happens. And Elijah prays and fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar. Elijah defeats them. And next thing you know, he hears that Jezebel wants to kill him. But Jezebel, the, the queen, who loves her prophets, says, I will kill you for this. And here's a prophet, right, in the moment of a great victory, finds himself so afraid for his life that he flees to a place named Beersheba, which basically Elijah runs 80 miles away. Now think about that, how crazy is that? He's coming from a great moment of victory. He hears that this woman wants to kill him. He runs 80 miles away. Not only that, but he takes his servant with him, which is basically staff, right? Every prophet had their staff. And he says, hey, stay here because this ministry is over. I'm just going to go in the desert and just wait to die. And you can ask the question, how in the world does that happen? How do you go from this massive, giant, spiritual battle victory to I'm just going to go in the desert and wait to die? Just one chapter away. Right, from a massive victory to, I just want to die. Like, this is over. Ministry is over. We're done. We're like, I'm just going to wait for God to just take me. This prophet who just had this massive victory is depressed and suicidal. Like, in a matter of a chapter. Right, my friends? And we're like, how in the world, how is this possible? Right, the, the only thing that makes sense in this moment is that, man, we are most vulnerable after a great victory. Why well, isn't it amazing, like after you come out of a great victory, a great moment, that you maybe made some declarations or maybe you won some spiritual battles and, and maybe you made some progress and you feel pretty good about yourself, you're confident to this pro that you're even talking trash. You're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling yourself and all of a sudden, in your moment of victory, you are most vulnerable because all of a sudden you think, I got this. Isn't it amazing how quickly we can deceive ourselves to think like, we got this? And God has to kind of let us fall on our faces in a sense to be like, you forgot who like won the victory? Like all you did was just like play your role. Like I'm, I'm the one that really does the battle. Like the battle belongs to the Lord. Like Elijah didn't win that battle. God did through Elijah. Hello, somebody. It's like we, we see when it comes to hunger, we have to be careful that sometimes we don't become full of ourselves. Because if we don't empty ourselves, we might find ourselves by ourselves. Right? If you better check yourself before you. Right? So in this moment, my friends, he's depressed, he's suicidal, he runs 80 miles away from where he was supposed to be. And I got to say, the last couple of years, I think we can all relate to this. Right? In the last couple of years, man, the, the, the drought has been unbearable at times, right? With this, with this pandemic, it wasn't just physical, it was spiritual. Right? That, that we find ourselves in this place of like, man, I used to be like this amazing warrior, excited, all in for Jesus. And all of a sudden, I find myself deflated and defeated. Like, we, because we're so good at the Christianese, like, we'll say all the right things, but we're feeling like not fully there. Like, you ever done this? Like, okay, we're we, we kind of like in a church gathering, but you ever lie to yourself? You ever like said all the right things? Like, I'm from a charismatic tribe, so we say a lot of like, great Christianese things, but you're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God, you know, I'm doing really good, but you're like, you don't look good. Right? Like, we're trying to convince ourselves. You know, we have a saying in our tribe, we're like, fake, fake that until you make it. I'm like, you're faking it until you make it. Like, 
You get what I'm saying? Like we have a sense sometimes to put on this mask, but the reality is we're really hungry for something that we can't give ourselves. Right? So he finds himself in this, in this moment of, of, of anguish. He's like, man, I just had this great victory. How in the world is this woman? Which, by the way, think about it. Like, he has this great moment of victory against like 400 prophets, but he's defeated by a word of someone. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you can be confident and then one word from someone can overwhelm? Right? Have you ever found yourself like a hundred people compliment you and one person says the wrong thing on social media and there you go, like you just lost yourself? So this is the moment, my friends, that he's in. And what just blows my mind about this encounter is not necessarily him because I can relate. I can relate to how he's, he's going about this moment. But what blows my mind is how God responds to this moment. Like that's what fascinates me about this, this encounter is how God responds. I would never, ever respond that way. Like, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm God, right, and I just gave you this massive victory against 400 prophets, and you're like, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal, I want to die, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Right? Like, I would be like, man, I'll be scolding you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm coming at you. Which, by the way, some of us, that's the tribe we grew up in. Like, God's always, like, angry. But the way God responds blows my mind. If you go back just a few verses, God's response to this is, is fascinating to me. Because here he is, right? He's... He is so depressed that he just wants to sleep, right? He just wants to die. Like, he's just there. And what does God do? God sends him an angel. Not just any angel. God sends him a Portuguese angel. How do I know? Because the angel says, get up and eat. Only a Portuguese angel would say that. <laughs> in a bedroom, we have a lot of Portuguese families. You know, the answer to everything in a Portuguese culture is eat. Eat, you'll be fine. Just eat. Right? And so he sends him a Portuguese angel and says, man, you, you just need to eat right now. Right? He eats, he sleeps, and he wakes up again, and the angel's like, eat some more. Definitely Portuguese. Right? So he's like, man, you just need to eat right now. Because here's the thing that blew my mind, right, about God, is that God knows in this moment, Elijah, I can't really deal with your spirit if I don't deal with your physical part first. Right? Like, God knows that we're triune beings. And he knows, like, right now, your spirit won't be able to handle what I'm trying to give you. So first, I need to sustain you physically before I can sustain you spiritually. Because here's the thing, right? Sometimes in our hunger, we don't understand that there is a physical part of us that needs to be sustained. Right? Sometimes in, 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 in the Capital C Church, we see this, this mistake sometimes that we want to bypass all the other stuff and try to get right into the spirit. But God's like... You won't be able to handle what I need to tell you in the spirit if your physical cannot handle it. Right? And, 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 and we, we get scared sometimes with these conversations because we think we're talking self-help. No, we're not talking self-help. We're talking like we need help. You're like, in order for me to receive this morning, my body needs to be present. Well, think about it. Like, if I'm not physically here, then it's hard for my spirit to be here because I'm, I'm a triune being. My physical... It affects my mind. My mind affects my spirit. My spirit affects my mind. My mind affects my body. And so God, knowing this, he's like, man, you are so out of it right now. The best thing I can do for you right now is sustain you physically first. Right? Now, here's the catch, though. We have to know ourselves and God knows us. Because for some of us, you might be so out of it that you eat your feelings. 
So for some of us, we, we have to know ourselves so well to know like, am I eating out of hunger or am I eating out of other things that I have not dealt with? Because it's possible to eat away the wrong things. Like I always tell our, our people, listen, be careful, never shop when you're hungry because you'll date the wrong dude. Because you might be starved for attention, a slim gym will do. But when you're full, you're like, How did, why did I do that? Because you were hungry. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Grab a Snickers. Don't grab a dude, grab a Snickers. <laughs> but in our hunger, sometimes we will eat the wrong things. And God, knowing this, he says, let me first feed you physically. So in order for you to be able to receive spiritually, are you tracking with me? Yeah. Right. And then what does he do afterwards? Again, like, the way God responds blows my mind to our hunger. So he lets them get nourished because he's like, listen, you, are, you just went rent 80 miles. Think about it. He didn't take an Uber. Uh, he's physically drained from this massive victory, right? He's in the desert, he's in the wilderness, right? God's like, man, I need to sustain you physically because now I'm not gonna meet with you where you are. Here, now catch this, God doesn't meet with us where we want him to meet with us. God will meet with us in our own terms. So he says, now you're gonna travel, get this, 200 miles. Meet me at the mountain. Why is this important? Because sometimes in our moment of vulnerability and hunger, we just want to mope. Sometimes our prayer sounds more like whining than actually praying. And it's okay. God's okay with that. But he knows like you won't be able to fully get what I'm trying to get you if you stay where you are. So 200 miles for him to hear from God. And, and the next thing that blows my mind is God, first question to Elijah is, what are you doing here? I don't know about you, sometimes you read the Bible, you're like, why does God ask dumb questions? Like, doesn't he know already? Right? Like, do you know the moment when Jesus asked the man who was crippled, he's like, do you want to get well? It's like, wait, you're Jesus. Like, shouldn't you know? Like, I do want to get well. Like, I'm crippled. But what's fascinating to me is, is that he asked the question because I think sometimes God is trying to ask, where are you in your mental state? Are you ready for me to come into that? Think about this, right? If you're, if you're a crippled man, right, and I don't ask permission to heal you, you might feel like I violated your space. And, and think about this. this. This might jack us up this morning, but you could be in such a state of depression or crippledness or defeat that you might make friends with that. So God has to ask, do you want to get well? Why? Because you might be like, yeah, I'm good here. They pick me up every day. They take care of me. They feed me. They clothe me. They take me everywhere. Like, why would you mess up with my flow? We have to be careful not to make friends with our imperfections. Right? We have to be careful that sometimes we're not justifying the place that we are where God never told us to stay there. So he has to ask the question to say, hey, I'm giving you permission to tell me, where are you? Remember, first question God asked was, Adam, where are you? 
Does God know what Adam is? He's saying, no, no. Hey, let's talk about your mental state. Where are you, Adam? Not physically. Now, God is, has moved on from physical to now mental, to a mind, right? To Elijah's mind. He's saying, like, where are you? And I love this because it's an invitation. It's not a scolding. It's like, hey, permission to speak freely. Like, tell me, where are you? Where are you right now? See, my friends, I feel this, that, that a lot of times we're not getting fed properly because we're not being honest with where we are. I think sometimes we say prayers out of rhythm. We say prayers out of religiosity, but we're not saying them from a place of this is where I'm at. Right? Sometimes we need to go revisit the Psalms because the Psalms is so honest. They're so brutally honest. I love praying to the Psalms because, man, it's so raw. It's so real. Right? One moment, the psalmist is saying, God, where are you? The next moment is like, man, kill all my enemies. Like, I love how raw and real the Psalms are because God is saying, like, hey, I want you to tell me exactly where you are because if I can meet you exactly where you are, maybe we can move forward. And notice, no matter how the Psalms start, it's amazing to me, they never end without a praise. In other words, if we can be real with God about where we are in our hunger, maybe we can move on to where He wants to take us. So I, I pray this morning, my friends, that we even check our prayers. Like, are we praying real prayers? Are we praying prayers that really is coming from the depths of our souls to say, like, this is where I'm at? And Elijah had rehearsed his prayer because if you read it, he says the same exact thing. It's like, ah, I've been serving you all my life and, and everybody has disowned you and, and, and no one seems to care. I'm, I'm just done. And God's given him permission to tell him where he's at. Like, you have permission to tell God, where are you? You have permission to say, man, I am dry. You have permission to say, I'm angry. We have permission to say, man, I'm frustrated. We have permission to say exactly what we're feeling because the truth is, he already knows. He's just trying to welcome you into that. And let you know that, like, I'll meet you exactly where you are. We have permission to say, you know, my wife doesn't want me to use this word, but I was like, God, this sucks. And I was like, you never told me I can't say suck. My wife did. But there are times it's like, this sucks. Right? And I think God is big enough to handle that. Because he won't be able to satisfy our real hunger if we don't come with the real hunger. Right? And we just come with that religiosity hunger. Right? Sometimes I make fun of our church and I say, listen, check your prayer life. Does it sound like you? Because God wants to hear you. Not a, a version of you. Not a churchified version of you, like the real you. Right? Thou heart, heavenly father. And I'm like, yeah, you sound like Shakespeare. He was cool. God created him. He did some awesome things, but you ain't him. Right? Because God wants to hear you, the real you. If there's a hunger in you, that's what he wants to feed. So he says to him, he says to us, where are you today? Like, where are you? You have permission to speak freely to this God who wants to satisfy that hunger. Sometimes it's just like, man, God, I just, I can't feel you. I haven't had a revelation. And that's okay. Like, I believe God meets you there. But God doesn't stop there. He gets to the mountain, right? And he says, man, stand there. Now that I've kind of nourished you physically, like, I kind of helped to set your mind right a little bit. Now let's get to your spirit. Mind, body, and spirit, right? We're triune beings. And he gets to the top of the mountain. Huh, I love this. And God's like, stand there and wait. And in this moment, right, we have another, one of those crazy biblical proportionate moments where 
there's this massive wind. And Elijah's starting to get excited because he's like, man, I've seen God move before. Like previous chapter, man, he prayed for fire from heaven and God came. This guy one time said it won't rain in Israel and it didn't. So he's like, man, I've seen the move of God before. So he's excited because he's thinking, man, this is it. Like God's coming to meet me right now and, and, and he's going to take care of me and things are going to be good. And it's going to be like this happily ever after moment. But God's not in the wind. And then there's this massive earthquake and, and God's not in it. And then, and then there's like definitely fire because I've seen that before. And then God is not in that. Now, this is an important moment. And this is, I think this is the moment that we are in this quest for our time and hunger for revival is that my friends we have to be careful to not fall in love with experiences instead of fall in love with God it's amazing that God puts on the display of power but he's like I'm not in it because in a sense he's almost telling Elijah like hey you're so used to becoming a certain way and we have to be careful again because we love history. We've seen God do it before and he can do it again. But the reality is sometimes God never does the same thing twice. But it doesn't mean he's not doing something. Right? And so that's the, that's the challenge that we face because we, if we had encounters with God, you had a certain experience. And sometimes you're like, man, I want to experience that again. But God's like, maybe I moved on from that and I want to show you something new, something fresh that I want to reveal to you in this time, in this age. Listen, we don't live in the Reformation period. We learn from it, but we are in a different time. And but God says, behold, I do all things new. I love the story in Narnia when, when Lucy is talking to Aslan and, and, and they were expecting him to come a certain way. And, and, and this representation of Christ says, I don't do the same things twice. I always do something new. So here he is experiencing God in a way that he's never experienced God before. In his moment of, of depression, in his moment of suicide, in his moment of want to quit, God doesn't come in a wind, he doesn't come in an earthquake, he doesn't come in a fire. God comes through a gentle whisper. And what's fascinating about the gentle whisper in the original context is actually that, that God showed up in silence. But how do you translate silence? The closest thing they can come up with is a gentle whisper. But the reality is it was silence. Sometimes we got to quiet enough to hear God. And in our church world, we fill the air with so much noise. See, I used to think it was just society noise, but no, I find that in the church world, we're filling ourselves with so much podcasts, with so much worship music, with so much teaching, with so much that, that we can get all of that and not get God. Like, like we're, we're so unsettled in ourselves that we're like, oh, I went to church today and the word wasn't what I wanted, so let me go find my favorite podcast. And you find your favorite podcast and it still won't do. Why? Because you're still trying to find God in your own terms. As opposed to quieting it down and say, God, how do you want to reveal yourself to me in this time? See, I love church history and I love everything about the move of God. But I'm starting to realize that maybe I've been trying to tell God to do something he's done in the past when God's like, I moved on. I want to do something new in this time, in this time period. 
See, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to just read the text. I, I, I want to experience this God of this text. Like I, I tell our people all the time, man, we are living our own Bible stories. Like the way Acts ends so abruptly is for a reason, is that we are still in Acts. We just happen to be the Acts of, of Providence Church. And how is it that God wants to move in our time, in our generation, in this moment? There is a hunger. There is a longing. But it may not look the way we want it to look. See, I, the challenge that we all face, we just came out of a week of prayer and fasting, and, and I, I kept telling our people, the challenge that we face is, is to try, we have to be careful not to manipulate the presence of God. We have to be careful not to fabricate it. We have to be careful to not try to get ahead of Him. We want to be in step with Him. And whatever He wants to do, and oh, however He wants to do it, I'm not in control of how God wants to move. And I have to be careful to not, gets this, this is important, to not be disappointed because He didn't look like the way I wanted to look. You ever been disappointed because God didn't do what you think he should do? Or in the timing that you think he should? We all been there. That's why, my friends, sometimes the best thing we can do is create a moment of silence and say, God, fill in the gap how you please. Now, it could be a wind. It could be an earthquake. It could be fire. I don't know. All I know is he said, stand at the mountain and wait. Just wait. Because I don't know how God's going to do it this time around. But he's faithful to satisfy that hunger. He's faithful to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's faithful to come as he pleases to come, as he chooses to come. And our prayer should be, God, I don't care how you come, please come. I love the blind man who said, Jesus, son of David, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. That's, that's my prayer. Don't pass me by. And don't let me miss you because I thought I knew you. Job said, I thought I knew you. But now I really do. It's in our moments of hunger that he's... He's God all by himself. Because hunger takes you to a place of desperation. And when we're desperate, God says, man, that's, that's my cue. You came to the end of yourself. And that's the beginning of me. Can I encourage us to take at least a couple of minutes of silence and just try to get in tune with the Spirit? see where he wants to lead us see where he wants to take us maybe release control of how we think it should be and maybe release control of the agenda told our people the whole week long the agenda is God the agenda is God. 
And I don't know how. I just want to be available. I just want to be hungry. And I just want to let His Holy Spirit have its way. Spirit of living God, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us. Don't pass us by. Remove our preconceived notions and ideas and concepts and experiences. We want to make room for you to do whatever you want to. Lord, I pray you that you, you don't need it, but I want to say you have permission to do whatever you want to. Whatever you want to. We say yes and amen to whatever you want to. This next few moments of silence, fill it in, Holy Spirit. Fill it in, we pray. <laughs> 